Welcome back to another episode of Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. I'm your host, Erfan Manchi. Before we get started today, uh, we got a cool topic, but a very interesting topic at that. Um, but listen to some music and we'll get back to you shortly. For this episode, I'm joined by an individual who is in my master's program over at the University of Ottawa. So we're both sort of struggling in the interdisciplinary health sciences over there. Um, he follows Barcelona and Arsenal when he does watch his soccer. He works at the Senate as a professional political staffer with a keen interest in politics and health economics in West Africa. I'd like to welcome and introduce first time to the show, uh, a friend of mine, Josh Daggio. Thank you for coming on. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Uh, it's a it's a pleasure and an honor, and it's cool because we just got to chat. And uh, with this pandemic, we haven't got to see each other in a while, so it's just thanks for inviting me. It's great to be on. Oh, thanks for coming on, and um, I'm sorry we haven't really been able to to connect as much. But man, oh, it's everyone's both ways, kind of man. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's super it's busy. Crazy. So in our for listeners here, we're on our second year of our master, so I think we're we're both swamped and also working as full time as possible. So it's yeah. kind of difficult to get together. Yeah, exactly. All right, buddy, let's start our starting 11 today, uh, which is brought to us usually and always by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give the Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as they bring you cuisines from all around the world. Uh, they are currently in the Vancouver area for the next month. So uh, if you want anything there and you're there, just uh, give her an order. All right, buddy. So today's topic is a bit of a, a sensitive one in the sense that um, We've talked about it, well, I've talked about it with previous guests and on my main show, Garage Door Sports, but we've, we need more opinions on this. And I think we need your perspective because uh, you're vocal about it. And I think I would like it. I like people to hear about it. Um, so since March, we've kind of seen, well, COVID-19 come into play, but we've also seen um, brutality and uh, kneeling and protesting and Issues not just within the soccer world, but also the world world in general. Um, and I think if we, we think about it, and, and not to say that racism didn't exist before COVID-19, it, it full on did. But I think with people at home, people being uh, surrounded more by social media and being able to catch these problems and talk about them, we're seeing it more in the forefront Um we're seeing, uh, you know, celebrities talk more about it. We're seeing uh, campaigns driving a little bit more with Black Lives Matter, with Say No to Racism. We're seeing um, individuals like ourselves having conversations about it. So before we even get started into like the sports aspect of it, you wrote an article for the Ottawa Citizen. Do you want to give our, our listeners a little tidbit about it, um, if you don't mind? Yeah, so um, I think the first thing I'll say is that uh, I think for me, every summer is kind of like uh, a cycle of uh, highlighting police brutality and violence. I have theories around that. I think maybe it's because sports are out and the media needs something else to cover. I think maybe it's because it's hot out and people are outside more and so it allows for these things to happen. But for the last you know, eight or so years and with the rise of social media, I feel like every single summer around May 2-4 weekend, we start seeing uh, these incidents. And it's not that they're not happening the rest of the year, but it's just that for some reason, 
our collective psyche is more torn towards them. And then you start seeing the protests and you then start seeing, you know, a number of those things. And so um, this year, I think it hit me particularly hard. Um, I think it was probably because of the pandemic. Um, I was locked in. I was, you know, uh, newly wed and spending a lot of time with my new wife and, and uh, just a lot of time just resting, but a lot of time to think. And I, and I didn't realize the impact it was having on me because it's something that has happened quite a bit. Um, but I think what started to really jar my emotions was uh, all the people on social media um, and to be very blunt, predominantly white people who were, uh, <laughs> you got to be honest here, right? Who are showing support, who are saying a lot of things, but I couldn't help but think to myself, man, and this is what happened when we're done talking about this, you're going to move on. And your motivation here might be might be sincere, might genuinely be sincere. But um, are you actually going to make a change? And I think that when I was looking at my life and the lives of those around me, loved ones, uh, friends who are black, this is a 365 24-7 reality. And the color of your skin isn't comparable to a lot of the experiences that people live. I mean, you know, there are stories of people saying that um, because they're a certain ethnic background, they get it. But being of a certain ethnic background is not necessarily the same as being black, like the color of your skin. Um, and it's not and, and it's not to it's also not to minimize or compare sufferings. I actually really don't like that at all. But I think it's to say, let's acknowledge the specifics here. And so that article started with a Facebook post. Mm-hmm. that I kind of got a, that's how I first got it off my chest but I kept just thinking and I kept writing and it kind of developed into this thing that was like look you guys it's not the same for you it's not the same for you because you can walk away but the color of my skin it, I, I'm I'm stuck here and for better or for worse you know this is my battle like I can't escape that and so if you're legit here are some ways, here are things that you can do, right? You can donate, you can hire, you can you can pray, you can um, speak words, and we'll get into that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, or And you can also be a stalwart who is against the bad behavior, who's at the dinner table saying to, your, to that uncle or aunt, no, that's not acceptable. Um, the, you know, it, it has to happen. And it doesn't have to happen because you want, and that's one of the things that's kind of annoying sometimes, when people want to tell you how good they're doing, Mm-hmm. you know it's not about applause it's not about you know it's about doing the right thing because it's a respect of an individual's human rights and the right Correct. to exist and the right to be happy Correct. so um it was it was an exercise in that and you know for you know and thinking about you know my younger sisters or, or the the younger kids around me and the world that i mean they're not that much younger than me that it's going to be an entirely different world but you know what is this world going to reserve for them i've been really fortunate to not have to go to any funerals of someone who who got shot that that i know right it's uh the question is is, is that something i'm gonna to have to deal with right um, so it, it isn't theory for me it's it's real it's very real and i think the article uh, it was a step of courage for me. It wasn't something that I usually do. I'm not, and and I'll be honest, you know, I definitely got some negative responses, you know, not to go too much into detail, but I had one woman who sent me an email saying, you know, I'm a rape survivor. So I actually do know what you're going through. And uh, I did not like that comment because I, as I mentioned earlier, why do we have to compare our sufferings? 
Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm black. I understand what it's like to be a rape survivor. You don't have to say that because it, it was just a weird thing that like, right. I, you know, it, it was really uncomfortable. It was really disheartening. And mm-hmm. I got a few emails like that, but I'm, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad yeah. I did it. I think people are doing their best way to understand what you're saying and empathize or sympathize, whatever way you look at it. I think they're trying to connect with you in a way, but yeah. I mean, um, this whole article, while I was reading it, I have to say I had goosebumps throughout it because I thought every message was powerful. Every quote that you had in there was powerful. And the one that I loved the most, and it's very early on in this article, and I will share this for our listeners. It was, I'm going to quote this. Um, I believe you hate violence and I are appalled by what has gone on, but I don't believe you're truly in this fight. I don't believe you identify with us in our pain, a pain that is absolutely unbearable. And like Josh just said, that comparing sufferings, I, I get when people do it because they're trying to understand each other. You're trying to fill in the shoes that you don't have. But I think there's a level of difference between being black or being someone of color, being white, because I think your experiences are very different. And Mm -hmm. as everyone reads on in this article, you'll, you'll tend to understand and read that it isn't just a fear for himself. It's fear for his brothers and sisters, his family and people of black descent. Correct. Yeah. exactly. So I think, I think, um, I'm glad people are trying to get involved and you're right. But from this article, it's also very empty. Like a lot of people, not your article, but like people uh, approaching you are, are very yeah. empty in this. I'm going to retweet. I'm going to, I'm going to say this all the time, or I'm going to say this once every few yeah. weeks. And then we don't hear from them again. And I'm not sure if you remember this, but on Instagram, there was um, everyone cover your pictures to black. black and I mean, yeah. Right. And I mean, I still have it up because I go, this isn't over because this yeah. is my way of trying to fight for it. But everyone I knew that did it for a span of 10 seconds, it's gone. So, I mean, I think we're going to talk about this and you know what, why don't we move on to this? It, yeah. Kneeling, kneeling during the soccer games. Um, every, every team's doing it before when the yeah. first whistle goes up, you're taking a knee because you're, you're, it's a sign of uh, stay, say no to racism. It's black lives matter. But um, something interesting that came up and, and Josh and I spoke about this just moments before we recorded was Les Ferdinand of QPR came out and said that it doesn't feel right anymore. Like he says, taking the knee was very powerful, but we feel that the impact has diluted. And I think we're noticing that it's slowly diluting, but then all of a sudden something happens again, another shooting happens, another racist act happens and everyone's awake. So Josh, I have to ask you, what do you say to people who fall asleep for three months and then realize that, oh shoot, there's something, <laughs> there's something in the news. I, I, now I'm awake. Like how do we yeah. keep people awake through this problem? Because it isn't just a one day, one minute, one hour thing. It's a lifetime thing. When I wrote my article, I had a ton of people, a ton of people coming out of the woodwork, ask, you know, asking me how they can be better. Some people going out of the way to tell me how they're not bad people it was it was really it was surreal like people i hadn't spoken to in months were like i'm a good person these are all the ways i'm not a racist and i was like do you want a medal from me <laughs> it's a trophy uh, for you yeah it was, it was it was weird but i'll tell you man like the uh and this and this is exactly it what you're asking is how do you shape behaviors and the best way to shape a behavior is for people to shape it themselves is the intrinsic motivation. And so that's for that, for an individual to decide for themselves that this is important. I think that we're always going to have the wave of, Oh my gosh, something awful happened and we need to stand up and, you know, do what we have to do in that moment. 
But when you look at other causes such as climate change or such as, you know, some of the other causes going around the world, what you notice is that over time, people decide this is my thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those people are not the, the, the typical. So it needs to be white people deciding this is their thing. Right. Like for cl climate change, I always think is a good example because one of the ways that I'm actually feel better about climate change is when you have companies like Shell or like fossil fuels companies who say, hey, we actually want to do better. Right. That shows that there can actually be a problem because they're the, they're the uh, 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 a solution because they're the problem. Right. Right. When right. when farmers, when our agriculture is a, is a huge culprit when it comes to climate change, when they're like, no, we're, we want to do more sustainable farming practices because it's our earth, too. And, you know, it, it, you know, we need to we need to maintain it. Then you start seeing, OK, we could actually get somewhere. So the people who are perpetrating this, whether whether through benefiting uh, through, of this through the systems or whether through explicitly perpetrating this, uh, they need to get out of the way and become part of the solution so but but you know apart from that i do think that social media is a huge problem here because at the same time it can help amplify messages which is really great it also provides an outlet for people to be fake it also provides an outlet for people and i mean one of the really good examples of this is uh it's really a heart-wrenching story i saw recently of a group chat of of women um, I'll, I'll be straight up. It was a group chat of white women who were talking about how easy it is to get black men. And in that okay. group chat, you know, very, very, it's a private Snapchat group chat. And someone in the group chat, God bless them, exposed them, which I always love when group chats get exposed. Although hopefully no one ever exposes any of the group chats that I'm in, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, that wearing earphone. <laughs> yep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think it'd be as bad as as it, it definitely would be as bad as this one. Um, but you know, these people went on Instagram and apologized, and they apologized that they got caught. You know what I mean? Oh, this is a private yeah. conversation. So it, it's it's so social media can be good to exercise pressure, but overall, it it does not it does not force you to do anything beyond what's on your page, especially in a COVID world where you're locked in and you're not going to any events and you're not seeing anyone, the pressure for you to actually act differently is, is not there. And so coming back to the whole question of kneeling, kneeling was about discomfort. Mm -hmm. It was about jarring people. It was about making people uncomfortable, right? That's what protests should be about. Um, and I think that, what Les Ferdinand is kind of getting at that I would agree with, if that's the sentiment he's getting at, is what is our goal? What are we trying to accomplish here? Um, if it's about awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Kneeling is a really good way of doing that. Um, if it's a symbolism or a gesture, I have nothing against it. But I think that what, what needs to be done um, is a clear communication of, you know, this is, this is our intent here as an act of solidarity. If we're thinking that kneeling is going to increase the diversity within senior management ranks of some of these major leagues, no, walking out might do that, mm -hmm. right? Like, I, I, and I could have looked into this before. I, I should have thought of it, but the but NBA players were able to get very significant gains out of the league when they walked out because okay. these people said, we don't need this money, not that badly. And so the league... I think one of the things that happened is that some of the arenas, like the Staples Centers, for example, was turned. Oh no, the Bucks, 
the, the Bucks, Bucks game, Stadium yeah. uh, was turned into After a voting break. center. It did. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the stadiums were. Yes. Yeah. So and and so that's so for me it's always about the goal. I have nothing against kneeling. Um, you know, and and like I'm gonna get flamed for saying this, but like personally, I didn't go in any protests this year because there was a pandemic. My wife has asthma, and I wasn't really trying to play with that. And also because in my day job, I do a lot of this work. And so I felt that I was doing my part. So mm -hmm. for some people going to a protest, that is their opportunity to have their voice. And that is their opportunity to have an impact and take it. Um, but again, I think there's a, there's a need to be strategic. And in that strategicness, to be humble, to, to really understand what can I impact? What, I, what impact am I going to have? And, which, and what impact could I have that I'm not having? But too often, it is about looking like we're doing something. When a lot of the time, actually having an impact, no one sees it or very few people see right. it. Well, it's like the saying, when you do something bad, people will see it. But if you do something good, not a lot of people will catch it. So you got to continue it. Yeah. Um, I think when I think about kneeling, um, I'm okay with players continuing it because I think the minute I see it on the start of a game is that this problem this issue is still relevant. It still needs to be spoken about. Like whether you want to believe it or not, it's still in the news. It's still something that's important to talk about. And, you know, you go back to Colin Kaepernick, for example, yeah. in the NFL, when he did it, he was ostracized. But people realized yeah. over time that it wasn't about a flag. It was about yeah. solidarity and showing everyone that there's an issue that's more than just sports, that's more than just the people that are in the game. It's for people around the world that go through this each and every day. Some athletes may not go through it because power, position, sure. etc. Yeah. But there's other players, like you can talk to Raheem Sterling over at Man City who gets called a monkey every time he goes oh, out. Um, you, got, you got chance, you got faces, you get bananas being thrown at you. I mean, what's the justification with that? And I think I also wrote an article because uh, a little bit before you, and it was called uh, the culture of racism, a sliding landscape. And the reason why I started to think about this, I thought about Raheem Sterling. I thought, thought about a lot of the players who have, you know, been subjected to it, like Romelu Lukaku, Antonio Rudiger, mm -hmm. Ashley Young, Paul Pogba, right? Like these are big names within the soccer world. Batelli. Exactly. And you know yeah. what it was on April 3rd, it was two French doctors had an open debate about testing COVID vaccinations on the African population. And I went, no fucking yeah. way. Yeah, We're going to no, have it's... this conversation and I'm really pissed. <laughs> and I think, and I said, this is the issue at hand. You can't like, why is it that it's okay for white people or people of not black or colored descent to be able to say to you, I'm going to go out here to this population because I yeah, want, they're less valuable. I, you know, and I, as a as a proud side of the continent, when I saw that, I was like, "Why, are, why, are, why are any of you surprised?" <laughs> you know, like there is a rich history of uh, medical experimentation on black people. Um, well, exactly, yeah. and I mean, a lot of Americans right now are like, "Are we going to take the vaccine?" And as a as a, uh, I think I can loosely call myself a scientist. I I will not look any of those people in the eye and tell them they should, because frankly. I do not put it past us. I don't think I, I'm confident that we're in this place in our history where a black person should be fully comfortable with every part of the medical system. I, and I'm not saying this to foment like fears. I mean, the reality is I understand me personally, I'll take the vaccine when it's available to me, mm -hmm. but I do think that if someone's fear has fears, 
for a black person those fears like most anti-vaxxers are out of their minds just straight up <laughs> but i think that if there's a history in your lineage of people using you as a science experiment yeah. you might have a reason and not yeah. like a not like a far history right like tuskegee was in the 60s and this and like you said these doctors were on april 3rd uh and and just speaking about those players like and you bring up something that I, I should have mentioned. Mm-hmm. The reality is, ooh, I'm sorry. That's People okay. are, my sister was just hit me up hard on my phones. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raheem Sterling incident reminds you that incidents, uh, like with an S, yeah. that these are these players' lives, right? And so I think that that's another aspect that I, that I do think is important about kneeling. For those individual players, if that's a show of solidarity for them, go for it right like i was more talking about the larger the broader like system point of view sorry right. just mute um i do feel that for for those players it is them it's their life and i was talking about a broader systems point of view and so if it's someone in the club that's saying that for pr purposes we need to kneel that's you know that's a whole other thing but if it's an individual player who's like no like the neighborhood in north london that i'm from like these are the issues that i dealt with my whole life i'm gonna kneel right or or the slums of paris where i grew up you know and and i was you know my parents are immigrants and were mistreated their whole lives so i'm gonna kneel i i think that that's one of those areas where it's like that that player should have that agency and their club should be supporting them agreed agreed i mean we've had um former uh nwsl player uh shoot i'm blanking on her name but when i find it i'll let you know but she ended up kneeling and went over to Europe after that because it was an issue down here it was also an issue over there so um, I think clubs as well need to be able to say that this is not allowed this is not something we want to see but I don't think they've been getting enough of the backings that they need from higher bodies Um, and and unfortunately again I've said this before it's because of COVID everyone's home they're able to see this they're able to highlight this so people are getting called out for stuff that maybe they were able to get away with a year ago or two years ago which is unfortunate to say because it's a part of what's happening and and, and other aside from you know some people recognizing it there's a majority of the people that are not recognizing it as an issue yeah no you're exactly right I think that being stuck at home has done us good and and being forced to look at the world around us it's exposed the best and the worst of us um and that has definitely been expanded to the world of sports and i mean the interface between sports and culture is so obvious right and so whatever we've been experiencing in our culture we will experience in our sports and when it comes especially to football especially in europe i think that a lot of the divides and the, the the strife that's been developing in Europe, especially in the last decade, with uh, with mass migration and and fleeing war zones in in Africa and the Middle East and parts of Asia into into Europe, um, I think that there are scars developing, like there's there's strain developing there, and I think that the strain is being made more evident right now. Sure. And I think it's going to continue to do that. I mean, you have to keep in mind that like. France introduced a secularism law that and that would enable them to go into mosques that have been that have been identified as hotspots for terrorism. And you know, this is the type of thing that doesn't seem like the intention is to respect civil liberties, right? Like this is th- these are the type of policies that, like, for a second, you can be like, I mean, maybe I get it, but also there's a less racist way of doing this. And so I think that you're 
again, like sports, culture, politics, they all interface and it's really interesting to watch it as we go and to watch it really expose what people think. Sure. Um, sticking with the topic of kneeling, um, I sent Josh this, this little message about um, Millwall and Darby's game a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago where players took a knee and were booed off the stage. And I think, I think you're right in the sense that there needs to be support at the level of not just the players, but of management. But what do you say to fans that finally get to come to the stadium? And that's the first thing that comes out of their minds or it comes out of their mouths. I should say, like, do we ban them for life? Because I have, I have another example for you where I think that person should be banned for life. But do you think fans. Organizations have an ability to say, what do they think is acceptable? If you, so let me put it in a different light. Remember when um, LeBron James said something about about China? I think it was about um, Hong Kong. I can't remember. And China basically threatened the NBA and the NBA and everyone, like LeBron James recanted. Like everyone kind of backed away, like, sorry, 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 because we don't want to lose a relationship with China because we don't, I, I, you know. Imagine if the opposite happened, like for good things, Mm -hmm. if people said, Okay, fine. Don't come to our games. No, we don't want your... Nike has kind of shown that, has kind of moved a bit more in that direction, you know, with the hijab gear and, um, like, the different things that they've been doing to be a more inclusive brand. Um, and and people are, like, all mad, you know, but, like, just do the... I mean, there's the moral sense of this, but there's also the economic sense. There is more spending power on the good side of the issues, frankly. And so... I, you know, yeah, ban the fans, ban the fans, ban them right before the game, tell them they're not welcome, tell them, like, send the message very clearly. The danger with that, obviously, is extremism, where we're probably better off, you know, do we want to take, right now, the racists are sprinkled all over the place, do we want to concentrate them, you know, but I, I think that this has to come into context with regular people also having these difficult conversations. And I think that what tends to happen is that cancel culture takes over and cancel culture doesn't allow you to have these thorough conversations um, that allows someone to ask their outrageous questions that, you know, you listen and you bristle to, but you're, but, but just off how you react to them, you are dem- you know as a black person if i if someone i have had some people ask me some outrageous questions but just off my reaction to them i'm showing them i'm not who you think i am it's not that it's my job to convince everyone sometimes for the sake of my own mental health i don't have these conversations but when god has me in that minute like equipped to actually have that conversation i want to have it because i want to show you that i'm not who you think i am mm-hmm. Because, and not so that you can be like, oh, that one, that Josh is one of the few eloquent blocks. No, 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 I'm not, that's not okay either. (laughs) But it's so that you, it's so that this image that has been built through different ways can be, can be broken, can be shattered. Agreed. All right. So I guess on top of banning there, uh, last week, I believe the PSG Istanbul game, the fourth official um, said a word. That should not be said considering we're in a time and not that only because we're in a time, but it should never be said that that's not the way you, I guess you categorize somebody or base them based on their color of skin. And I think the biggest problem I have with people using words and 
is why is it the first thing that comes out of your mouth when you need to describe someone of color, of race, of gender, of identity is you got to drop a word. And like, in what, what's your mindset? Like, this is just a general question for everyone listening as well is what's your mindset behind using a word to describe someone? Why is it that if Josh sees me on the side of the road, why can't he say Irfan's wearing a gray sweater with uh, green fonts. He has a beanie on his head, wearing headphones, and he the has the ugliest logo of all time. Yeah. Okay. We'll pass that. <laughs> um, go have to go. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, why? No, why absolutely. do you have to look at me and say that he's a maybe a Pakistani Indian-based gentleman? And in reality, if you ask me, I'd be like, I'm East African. So what are you gonna do now? Right? Like, how do you? Yeah. How do you? Why is it that the word has to be used, or why does? Why do people have to be segregated into a group of words? So I think the first thing, I, I my first thought in this, so this is an official from Romania, and I think that we have to appreciate that as Canadians, we have a really unique perspective because we're in a multicultural country. Uh, we're in a country that by its very nature, all of us have to accommodate one another. We are very accommodating people. We're known worldwide for being an accommodating people, which means that the things within your culture that might be offensive to other cultures, you learn over time that that is an appropriate behavior. And what kind of what what is unique about a country like Canada or the U.S. is that throughout the history of a lot of uh, really Canada and U.S. are two of the most significant countries in this way. Throughout its history, throughout the histories of these countries, there has always been a dynamic of multiple and Australia, New Zealand as well, I think, colonized countries, multiple races, multiple cultures, multiple power religions, whatnot, that have kind of influenced this. So having said that. What the first thing that stuck out to me and this man being Romanian, uh, the ref who said this, is that he was unaware that this word would carry this kind of impact. That's a problem. And so my first question is, what is the training and the screening that FIFA is doing, or I guess in this case, in this case UEFA is doing on these referees, right? If you are going to be put in this circumstance where you are coaching a Champions League, where you are refing, sorry, a Champions League game where there are players from all over the world, Demba Ba is from Senegal, who he played in France and right now is playing for the Turkish champions. PSG France is, is a French team. There's players from Brazil. There's players from all over the all over the world, right? What is the level of training and sensitivity that is being had? So that's, right. I think that's a first question. Right. Um, and so I think surprisingly, I'll say, I, obviously I'm upset. Obviously Dembaba is right to be upset, but there's a part of me that's kind of compassionate for this dude because for this ref, because he did not know better. Now, a smart man would have been like, shoot, man, I'm sorry. Right. Like wouldn't have defended himself. Or, oh, in my country wouldn't have done all that. Mm-hmm. But I do feel bad because he did not know and that isn't fully his fault. And so I think the question really is that if you're going to be a global citizen and if you're going to play in these big circles globally, you yourself also. So there's a there's there's UEFA's role and FIFA's role in training these people and in screening them. But there's also that individual's role when it comes to professionalism and when it comes to as a ref, like parity, making sure that you're impartial in your role, that you're sensitive, that you yourself are making efforts to be sensitive. Who are the players on the field? And so, you know, to your original point, you're right. Like that descriptor is dumb. I don't I don't know why it's the players have numbers on their back. 
with yeah, names, names. <laughs> right? Like you, you don't need to do all that. And then the name might be a bit smaller, but you can see that number from halfway across the field, right? <laughs> so I, I do think that like, yeah, the descriptor is 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 inappropriate and unnecessary. But I think to me, this this brings me right away back to a broader systemic problem, which is like, how did this guy end up roughing this game? Right? Like, you don't really think very often about the refs as a person, unless they're making a call that you don't like, and then you kind of disparage them. <laughs> right. But when Demba Ball was calling out this man, the way that he was acting, the way that that referee was acting, what he was saying, I kind of was like, how did you get this job? You clearly are not savvy enough or you know so that kind of is that's those are my thoughts around that i i rewatched that video like seven times because i was in absolute disbelief that that happened yeah well i mean it's common i mean we have players from like luis suarez who who said what he said about patrice evra we have bernardo silva who said something about benjamin mendy and he said well in my country this stuff is okay to say and it's like well if you're playing on a global scale like josh line yeah you're around and you're on TV and you're playing in the Champions Leagues or you're playing in the Europa or you're playing in the big leagues around Europe or even in North America, you got to watch what you do and you got to learn, I guess, the rules of the world, unfortunately, for people that are coming out from small towns and small countries. You got to learn the rules, right? Yeah. Is that is that what is that what it is? It's like you got to go through sensitivity training. Like there's a there's a story about this this referee being suspended for 10 games because of UEFA's rule, but what what now what, what's the next step is there sensitivity training like is there are they going to ban him just to be like you need to learn or give him a second chance like they haven't really stepped in and said anything along those lines except for well it was wrong but they didn't yeah, really... sorry i cut you off <laughs> no no i just said they just re- didn't really have a firm foot on it i mean if you have yeah. if you have a world-class player like neymar and the future of soccer in and Mbappe walking off the field are you telling me that that doesn't strike your nerve saying shit, we, we might just lose a bunch of money? Because unfortunately, it is about money, whether people agree or not. Yeah. They're going to be like, well, we're going to lose our revenue. Well, okay, if you're going to lose your revenue, how are you not thinking that this is wrong? And this is, and this is the really interesting interface around, around sports and race, right? The people who are in these decision-making uh, positions are not impacted traditionally by race as often, right? Um, but the people who are the players who generate this revenue are. And a guy like Kylian Mbappe, who has already made more money than he's ever going to need, what, what, like, he can make that choice, right? It's a, it's a freedom that he has. A guy like Neymar, who has made more, five times more than the money he'll ever need, also has that choice. And I think that it's important to realize that, like, those players, and I, you know, we talked about this earlier, but those players as individuals, they have their values, they have their upbringing, they have their experiences, right? They're not, they're not trying to be around this. And, and I, if you look at the video, I mean, Neymar is kind of, and Mbappe are kind of always like this, but you looked at their face, they were like, nah, we're out. <laughs> like, we are so, we came here to play football. If you're going to do that, we're not going to play football. We're going to go home. We're going to go chill. Yeah. So, um, no, I agree with you. And I'll say that, Sensitivity training is important, but I think that to kind of uh, reiterate what I was saying earlier, that individual's own sense of what needs to happen, right? And that's why I said training and screening. Is this a person who fundamentally believes that every player on that pitch should feel comfortable, should feel safe, right? Mm -hmm. That every player on that pitch shouldn't have to worry about anything and just go and play the game, right? Like, so beyond just the training, who is this person? Because I'm sure there's not a shortage of refs in the world. So how did he get on this that stage? 
we're talking about Champions League. How did he get there? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so, no, I understand. Yeah. That. yeah. Well, I mean, we also have to understand that uh, for listeners and, and fans of the game that for players, it's not just in the game, it's their personal life. And I think I want to take a few seconds just to talk about this, but uh, Canadian stars, Alfonso Davies and, um, and um, uh, Jordan Heidema were subjected to racism as they are an interracial couple. Um, they look cute together, by the way, guys. Thumbs up to them. But um, Is she taller than him? I... I don't know. Every I, time... I, I, I think I think it kind of looks like it, which is cute. Okay. Couple where the girl is taller than the guy is always is always pretty. Cute. <laughs> um, but pretty good at back there. Uh, yeah. They were subjected to a bunch of racism. She was called out for dating a person of color. He was called out for dating someone of white descent. And um, I just want people to be aware that you know it's people and players have a life outside of the game. When they're not playing the game, they they have a personal life. I don't think you can say shit like that. So. I mean, we yep. know we know what kind of people they are the 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 athletes, but we also know the type of people that are drawn in, and we just block them. But when you when you saw that, did did you have an impulse to do anything except for maybe retweet or maybe support? No, because I mind my business. True. I <laughs> I mean, I don't have Twitter or anything like that. So when I saw that, I was like, "Why are we talking about this?" Like, mm-hmm. you know, did they did they do any? It looked it was just a picture of them on a boat, right? Like like a billion other vacation pictures that are out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, this is like this with all public figures, but we feel entitled to, to, to say something about their lives, which is not fair. We were not entitled to say anything about their mm-hmm. lives. Um, and frankly, um, to me, I see them, I'm like, oh, that's really cute. They're both like young. They're both Canadians. They're both good looking and they're both amazing athletes. Like, that's great. I, I, you know, and I know that um, I know that obviously being an interracial couple comes with its challenges. Um, being a couple comes with its challenges. So, so it. I, so I say that to say, like, why do we? Well, I know why. So I'm, it's not to be ignorant as to why it's it's racism. People are uncomfortable. People don't don't like it. People don't like what it might mean. People are confused by it. You know, it. It's a lot of things that that kind of come that that kind of i think originate beyond the point of minding your business i I can't stress enough how much a lot to me a lot of these things would not occur if people just said hey that's not my life because what do you actually think that your tweet or your comment you you think alfonso davis is going to be like man you're right i'm going to dump this girl like you know what do you what do you it's it's it makes you look like a clown (laughs) and like a bigot which you clearly are um and it also makes you look outdated because the reality is we're in a world now where um, more and more the color of your skin uh, doesn't matter, right? Like they have the things in common that make them a good couple. I, I'm guessing I don't know them, right. <laughs> you know. So no, I am. Um, I was I was definitely appalled by people's behavior and disgusted, um, but also just really frustrated because. You know, these are two young people. I think Alfonso Davies is like 21, right? Like 20, this yeah. is, and he's, and he's Canadian. He's from Toronto. He's from uh, Hamilton. I believe the Ontario area. I'm going to double check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk. Yeah. But he, but you know what I mean? Like he's some, he's someone you and I could have easily known. Could you imagine having your homie taking a picture with his girl, getting it posted and it, and, it, and he gets dragged for it? Like that's yeah. just something. And that's what, what's, what's effectively happened to some people, right? They're seeing their friends, you know, getting, getting, you know, so, and I think that's also, 
reflective one of my personal missions or one of my personal vendettas that like i don't have the energy to carry out but every time someone posts something racist on the internet find their boss and tell them that's one thing that happened a lot in the spring that i was pretty happy about i'm not uncomfortable with that because you need to know that your employees are racist and then you can make that choice but i suggest the choice is that you fire them because that's not good for your enterprise or your organization right and all of the people here who are comfortable being loud on social media i really hope you own your own business or you you have something for your own revenue because there is a consequence to that to you not minding your business and even worse stating these really ugly things about two human beings who again i must stress like what is it I could understand it a bit more if it was like a political figure or someone who like, who put themselves in the position to be a lightning rod. But all these kids do is go and play. And then they hang out and go on vacation and use the money that they well earned. I I cannot understand why you would then put yourself in a position to flame them. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Um, Going back there, (laughs) Alphonse Davies grew up in Edmonton. Well, still. Yeah, still Canada. boy. (laughs) <laughs> we, we love him for what he is. Um, Man, I but... was so happy when he got to Byron. I was so, I was, I'll tell you, you're fun. When I um, was manager mode on, on, on FIFA, <laughs> Barcelona, I traded, I spent so much money on him. I was like, I don't care. I want him on my team. <laughs> well, well, I mean, we all have our staples, right? Like I, mean, whenever I play, I, I pick up my Alfonso Davies and I pick up um, uh, Frankie Dijon and uh, Matthias Delay. Like those are my okay. three, three core players. So, I mean, Hey man, I'll pay money if I have to get those players because they're talented, right? This yeah, is man. again back to the game itself. Davies, uh, Sancho, and Mbappe, but Sancho is like way too much money. Like they're all expensive, but Sancho is like see, crazy. The, 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 the trick here is you got to wait till they're in their last year of their contract and then you give them a. That's what I do. I don't pay the 200 mil. I go, I'm going to give you the money you deserve, but I'm not going to pay the 200 mil up front. Smart, 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 smart. So I waited out. But again, I coach teams like Leeds. So. <laughs> I'm not like that. I'm like, who is the team with the highest budget? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I take the lowest budget, take players on loan, and then when I make the money, I go buy the players. Nice, nice, nice. Business. Um, all right, buddy. Uh, I think we've hit good time. Uh, did you have any final thoughts before I wrap up this sec? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, in watching these highlights, and I'm so thankful that we're doing this because it's gotten me, it's forced me to kind of look at it to kind of like been watching highlights and watching games i just been reminded about how beautiful the game is and how intimate and amazing it has been through the covid era uh stadiums with little to no fans and you know you can hear the players you can hear you it's just you're it's much more of an alive game at least to me and um you know this is the context where i think a lot of good change can happen i think this is because it's just more raw um, but like I, like we talked about at the beginning, I just hope we don't move on from this too quickly, right? I hope that the things that are going on have an impact. And I think that in countries like, uh, especially the UK and France, where racism is a real issue, like it's a, oof, it is like anti-Black racism specifically is a big issue. Um, I'm glad that there are people in positions and coming into position to force a change. Um, because I don't think that they're as far ahead as we are here in North America, although, and that's really saying something because we're not that far. But I think that um, COVID has been good for that, and I hope that they continue to make progress. And I hope that as fans, 
uh, we we look for strategic ways to support, whether it's in where we spend money or the games that we watch or what we do or don't do on social media. So, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that does it for our starting segment sponsored by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give Shenzi Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as they bring you cuisines from around the world. They deliver and now are available for pickup in the Vancouver area for the rest of the month. All right. I just uh, wanted to say thank you very much for hopping on today. Um, I think we talked about a lot of important topics and I'm going to have you on in the new year. So get ready for a message then to come back on. Maybe we'll talk some Barcelona and some Arsenal, yeah, and man. et cetera, et cetera. But um, I'm glad that we were able to sit down and have an important conversation. Um, I think it's important how you choose your words. I, I, I think it's important how you support causes and understand that it can't be hollow uh, support it has to be consistent if you are who you say you are and what you think you support um, I will post uh, Josh's article there and I'll repost mine for everyone to have a quick read and let us know what they think um, again any sort of feedback is welcome but to an extent and I will uh, be monitoring monitoring that uh, but Josh doesn't have Twitter or any sort of social media so if you have any questions for him please at me at Irfan Manji for the both of us. We I will pass on your comments and questions yeah. and concerns and support because we always love a, a good support uh, tweet or message. Um, but don't forget to follow Touchline TH on Twitter. You can follow the rest of our network at Garage Door Sport or look at articles, read some old articles or new articles at garagedoorsports.com. Don't forget to follow Shenzi Shack on Instagram. Um, they're, they're a local business in Toronto that are kind of trying to do a pop-up and uh, grow their business. So don't forget to support local as well. Josh, once again, thank you very much for joining me today. You are an awesome person to have a conversation with and I, and I really appreciate your insight. You know what, man, again, the pleasure is all mine and uh, looking forward to in these, in this context and others continuing these really good conversations. Uh, And um, it's great that you're taking the time, uh, you know, and using this platform. So congratulations on that. And, uh, you know continued success in all of this work man thank you appreciate it when i see something wrong and i think i hope i'm not the only one you got to speak up for it whether it concerns you or or close people or the way i see it is if if it's something that you see someone getting impacted by and you are in their shoes how would you react to that situation so um much love to everyone who's uh lost family over the last couple of months uh we we love you we support you and 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 we hope that uh, you're doing okay during this time so yeah Uh, Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next match day. Cheers.